you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring Restoring Your Voice. Alrighty then, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Restoring Your Voice. Uh, on this uh, 31st day of August of 2022, real quickly, always got given the plug to subscribe to the channel. If you have not, if you're watching this or listening to this on audio podcast, head over to the YouTube channel, David C. McGuire. You won't regret it. All right. All the episodes video wise are on there. Uh, also, the sermons are on there. Everything is organized in playlists just for you. And also, don't forget to check out the new website, davidcmaguire.org, davidcmaguire.org, why? Because everything, videos, podcasts, uh, blogs, which I know I haven't gotten around to yet this week, uh, but I sometimes struggle with uh, health issues, but that's okay, praise the Lord anyways, but head on over there, all right, will you? All right, so with that out of the way, welcome to the show, everybody. We'll get started. Now, this is a topic I covered on Monday, but by the prompting of the Lord, uh, I felt I should um, continue this topic, and that's the topic of complacency kills, and uh, let me tell you um, why. Uh, If you haven't, if you don't know, if you're unaware, but uh, a guy by the name of Matt Chandler, um, well-respected pastor, um, recently came out in the headlines, uh, main national headlines, and I'm not going to get into those details. I'll I'll tell um, you know, the national headlines are, are what they are. They don't cover the full truth. And a lot of them uh, just try to slander the guy and present things that are bigger than they are. Um, I'm not here to do that. But he it came out that he had um, inappropriate relations with a woman um, online. Now, that meant uh, in this specific example, and I, and I, I just, the only reason I know the details is because I watched Matt Chandler um, confessed to his congregation about what happened. All right. Uh, so let me just first off and say um, in the aftermath of this, his elders did the correct thing. He did the correct thing. And I, and I hold them to a great applause for, for what they did right in this matter. Um, the details, um, basically he was messaging a woman, I think it was some on Instagram, I think. And, Anyways, um, it wasn't that they got dirty or they were going to meet up or it's all very sexual in nature. It, it wasn't that. Let me just debunk that. Let me just pause and say this is I'm not here to to knock or bash Matt Chandler. Um, I respect him. I've listened uh, a few times, not many times, but a few times to what he has to say and everything. And he did the right thing. So if you want to watch him and what he said to his church, you can go watch it for yourself. Uh, I'm not going to play the video here, but you can search it up if you wish. Um, and also I applaud Matt for standing up in front of his congregation. And I was, um, watching it and I had a whole back tears watching him do that. Um, it took a lot for him to be able to do that. And I applaud him for doing that. Um, so I applaud him because he, his elders and his church is such set up in such a way that no person is above accountability. Um, he is holding accountability to his elders and that's all good. That's great. So I'm just want to put that out there to, to make sure I'm not coming across as some critic of him or everything. But to handle it in the correct manner, you can you can do a dive on um, um, 
for for more on that but i'm here to talk about things that led up to that now thank god it didn't go beyond to the level of a ravi zacharias or type scandal um or carl lentz like that it didn't um it's nowhere near that let me just say that but you see what led up to it was compromise what led up to this happening is compromise and let me just pause and say nobody not a single one of us is above and beyond falling into temptation all right we all have areas of compromise to some degree or another in our life right that's why we need the body of christ we need brothers and sisters who are who are, who are willing to speak truth into our lives you know those few those very few who know us inside and out right who know the good the bad and the ugly of us and this is why i will continually continually never stop talking about the absolute need to be part of a local church body to be part of a local group of believers whatever that looks like for you it could be a mega church it could be a house church it doesn't matter but that we're part of one another because we need one another and um, there, there were a couple things in this, what happened with Matt Chandler, and this applies across the board to anybody, by the way, that I was thinking on that, that I believe that the Lord was highlighting to me. And so what I'm going to highlight could apply to across the board. And I believe it applies across the board to anybody. It cry, applies across the board to the every lay Christian. It, it applies across the board to men, women, and children, both. Um, so so what what happened was, was that um, a friend of this woman came to him and said, hey, I think what you're doing, what's going on here is inappropriate. Now, Matt stepped up. He brought it before his elders right away. Didn't try to hide it. Right, good. But he, when he confessed in front of his church, he, was, he mentioned a couple of things. He mentioned that the frequency that he was messaging this woman who was not his wife was wrong. And the content of some of it was wrong. And I, I fully and wholeheartedly agree. So men or women, listen up, especially married men or women, even singles, right? If the person of the opposite sex is not your spouse, right? You should not frequently be messaging them. You should not be frequently having conversations with that person and single person, right? If that other person is married, Right. It is wrong of you to have frequent uh, conversations with that person. It is wrong. There's, there's nothing right about it. Now, why would I why would I say it? Because you see, when, when we do that, when we start forming these relationships with a person who is not our spouse like that. It opens right there for compromise right away. The door is already open. And why would I say it? Because we're human beings. Right. None of us live perfect lives. No marriage out there is the perfect uh, marriage, right? No, no marriage is the epitome of the perfect marriage. We all have problems in, in marriage, right? It's it's the truth, right? Maybe maybe drop the truth bomb on some of you about that. I, I don't know. But uh, anyways, no marriage is perfect, right? So let's just put out a scenario, a general scenario out there. So husband and wife get into a, a tiff, an argument about something, right? It, it happens. It'll happen. As long as we're on the surface, it's not going to stop happening. So, but now said spouse has formed some sort of relationship 
with a member of the opposite sex who is not their spouse, right? So now you, you got that, I'm going to call it an intimate friendship. And now since you had that tip, now you can run to that person of the opposite sex and say, hey, I this is a problem I'm having in my marriage. This is it. This is what's going on. Now, now we're, we're in dangerous ground. Now we're in some area we should have never been in, right? Oh, oh, well, well, here, I'm here to comfort you. Oh, well, you know, who knows what will go happen? But the problem is now we've given the devil a foothold. And we should not do that. Now, you know, God is so good. Right before I came on, I was scrolling through my Twitter feed. And um, let me see if I can bring it up on my phone here. I'm not going to bring it up on your screen. So um, let's see. Ah, this person, am I going to put their name out there, says this. When Jesus met Mary in the garden after his resurrection, he violated the Billy Graham rule. Let me pause if you don't know what the Billy Graham rule is. It's the rule that you should never be alone with a member of the opposite sex, right? You know, especially if you're married. And, and then she goes on to say, if your savior isn't a good enough example for your rules, your rules may not may have gone too far, right? Typical, quote unquote, Twitter theology, right? This is completely wrong. There's nothing good about it. Let me tell you, people, none of us are Jesus, right? None of us walks a perfect and sinless life. Right, we we all fall into temptation, all of us. I don't care who you are. So, the Bible warns us, as I talked about um, on Monday's episode, in the first part of this, is that the Bible warns us to remain sober, right, vigilant, watchful, because we have an enemy out there. And and when we allow ourselves to be alone with a member of the opposite sex, especially as married people, right? And, I, and I'm going to apply this in the context of married people. When when we do that, we, we, we we're already in a position that's compromised. We're already in a position that we should not be in because now the enemy, the enemy's looking for things like this. The enemy's waiting to pounce on you and me. And we don't take this seriously enough that we have a very real enemy, right? So you have problems in your marriage, financial troubles, who knows? Now you get to be alone with a person who's not your spouse. Now the enemy pounces on that moment. You open up and something may not happen in that moment, but now the seeds have been planted. Now that weed has been sown and now, guaranteed, most likely something is going to happen. See, so what do we do then? We, we back up and we say, hey, I'm not going to allow compromise in my life, right? Like that tweet I read, right? Apparently that person thinks the Billy Graham rule is legalistic. I, I'm going to infer that from, from the tweet. And, and it may come across as legalism to people. Well, so be it. Who cares what they think? Would you rather come across as legalistic to people, even though you're not, even though I'm not, and and save your souls, right? In fact, Jesus warns against this, right? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? To gain the friendships, right? You you, you have a, people who like you and love you and 
think highly of you and love the things that you speak, but yet you've lost your soul. What 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 gain is that to the to the Christian? That that people would speak well of us. In fact, the Bible warns against when people when all people say wonderful things about us. They're not in a good area. We we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware that that I'm going to say if if the potential for falling into temptation is there, stay away from it. Don't do it. Right? We'll say in this instance with Matt Chandler, and I, like I said, I'm not knocking the guy. I, I still highly respect him. Let me just put that out there. That the frequency, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it too much. Shouldn't have responded. Right? Should, should have stayed veered away. Should have had those rules set up ahead of time, if you will. Right? In, in the Army, in the military, we have uh, SOPs, for instance. Standard operating procedures, right? In place, we already know what to do, right? TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures in place, right? This is how we operate, right? If we come to this situation, we automatically know to do, you get what I'm saying? Now, I guarantee you, not every situation, obviously, can be covered, but the most important areas are covered. If this happens, this is automatically what, what, what I do. If that happens, then automatically I'm supposed to do that. And if I fail to do that, I've already violated regulation. Well, it's no different for the Christian. And where do we find what we're supposed to do? Where do we find our SOPs and our TTPs? Well, we find it in the scriptures. The scriptures tell us exactly how we're to conduct ourselves. In fact, the Bible tells us to flee from temptation, right? Let me give you some more examples. Um, we'll say a friend a, or a colleague or an acquaintance invites you out for a drink at a bar. Already is the wrong place because there's only one point. There's only one thing, only one reason why people go out to a bar to get drunk. That's it. Saying or a club, whatever. An establishment, in other words, it's geared, its only sole purpose is to give people alcohol to make them feel good, steer away from that. The Bible says to, to remain sober, yet you're going to an establishment where already the devil is operating in full power and authority in that environment. Why would you go into that environment in the first place, unless God calls you there specifically, and you know without a doubt that God called you to minister there, but going out for drinks is not ministering. Let me tell you that much. Now, I'm not going to get into views on alcohol, right? That's between you and God. But why would we go somewhere where the chance of falling into temptation is a great degree? Look, none of us are Jesus, right? None of us can live sinless in perfection. Nobody, right? No person on the face of the earth. Even Paul, considered the greatest apostle ever, and I agree with that statement, said that there were things that he did that he didn't want to do, and the things he didn't want to do, he did. In fact, he specifically mentions that God had to give him a thorn in his flesh 
right? So that he wouldn't be prideful. He just takes a trip to heaven, comes back, mentions that now God gives him after that experience, gives him a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. See, I think that's the number one key to um, not getting complacent, and that's to be humble. To realize we don't have all the answers. We don't have the power, right? That that we do wrestle against a flesh, a very real enemy and a very real fleshly nature, right? Because it's one thing to point to the enemy out there, right? A very real enemy. It's another thing to look in the mirror and see the enemy within, right? The enemy within. And, and what comes to mind when I say the enemy within is um, these, um, I don't know if you ever saw it in the news, but you know, happened in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. They call it a, an insider attack, right? In other words, it, from a trusted source, from a person that's, that's trusted, right, now commits an attack. Whether it's from a soldier uh, on soldiers, which it happened, whether it's from an allied nation that it happened, right? Like the Afghan National Army or things like that. It's called an insider attack. You see, we, we're, we're at times, if this is humility, we have to get to it, All right? We have to admit at times we're our own worst enemy. Let me put it to you this way. And we'll just, I'll just speak toward, toward the men. Right? Men are visual creatures, right? We are visual creatures. So, men, if we're watching a movie with nudity, sex scenes in it, already we're wrong. Already, because we did it. We can't say, well, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil tempted me to do it. Right? Because the Bible talks how we can actually. Resist temptation. We can resist it up and he will flee. Now, what we just did when we do something like that is we became our own enemy and we attacked ourselves. We, we committed an insider attack against our very own integrity as men of God. Right? For, for the crowd who thinks especially it's okay to watch Game of Thrones. Oh, boy. That's a whole other subject. You see what I'm saying? We can be our own worst enemies. Right? We could be our own worst enemies in the context of thinking on the wrong things. And it's difficult at times to get into an argument with somebody, a heated whatever. Right, It's not resolved. And we can all admit that it's very difficult to let go of that and think on what the Bible tells us to think on. But the Bible still commands it. And if the Bible commands it, then we're supposed to do it. And if the Bible commands it, that means God has equipped us to be able to do it. Doesn't mean just because it's difficult doesn't mean we're unable to. There's a difference. Something difficult and unable. It's a complete different story, right? It would be a difficult thing for me. Um, uh, I don't know, to lift some heavy weights. Not impossible. I can do it. Right? Now it's in a completely different ball game to say, go out there and run. I'm not, it's not gonna happen for me. Right? It's not going to happen for me. Same thing with the everyday Christian. Right? Some things are impossible. Right? But 
difficulty isn't the same as impossible. We are to obey the word of God, point blank. Point blank. You know, in fact, Jesus says that if you love him, you'll obey his commandments, plural. All the commandments he talked about across the four gospels, obey them, period. But see, when we think, well, maybe I don't have to this way, get around it this way, already compromise. See, and we do that throughout the church. We do that throughout Christian music. Compromise. 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 Cross the board. You see it a lot. I hear it a lot, especially in the Christian music world. Compromise, compromise, compromise. When we start playing around with fire, we're going to get burned. Bottom line, we, we, we will get burned if we play with fire. Stop playing with fire. The thing is, we don't take our walk with God serious enough. Yet the Bible says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't take things. That's what I believe, especially in the American culture today. We don't take this walk serious enough. We don't. Why would I say such a radical thing as we don't take it serious enough? Well, we don't take it serious enough because we treat repentance lightly for one. It's a dirty word now, repent. I'm a Christian. Why would I have to repent? Because you sin. Because I sin. But we treat that lightly. We treat the very real need for repentance as a lifestyle, as a light thing. We commit a sin. We know it. We did it. Meh. The blood covers all. Yeah, the blood covers when we decide to come under the blood. When we decide to get washed by the blood. The psalmist writes, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart. As soon as we make a decision to sin, already we've defiled ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we, we forfeit our salvation in that moment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've defiled ourselves. We must come back to God. In that moment that we chose to sin, we walked away from God. Even if it's for a brief moment, we turn our back on him. Because the root word the, to repent in, in the Hebrew means to turn to God. We must turn back to God. Get back in right relationship with him. Because when we, but if we treat that lightly, we've already compromised. As, as soon as we think, how close can I get to sin and still make it to heaven? Or how many times can I commit X sin? Or how many sins before I fall for myself? It's already we're compromised. And, I, you know, with somebody walking around like a mindset like that, I actually have to question their salvation. I do. I do. Because God is holy and God has made us holy. And we don't play, we don't, we don't play that game with sin, but we do in the American church. We treat it lightly. As soon as we start treating the we treat the very essentials lightly. We treat prayer time as a light thing. Well, I'll get to it when I get to it. We treat the Bible as a light thing. We try to play around with it. We try to make it mean all sorts of things it never meant to be. Yes, amen, Richard. Thank you. Yes. 
Yes, perfect. Yes, absolutely. That uh, that's a lie from the pit of hell, not repenting. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. We all we all need it. We we all absolutely one thousand percent need it. No doubt in my mind. But we start playing around and we treat things lightly. We've already compromised. Now on the flip side of that, we 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 treat things and give things substantial weight that we were never meant to be. Because because one way, on one on one side we can slide into liberal theology. Then on the other side, if we're not careful, we can shift over to a legalistic mindset. And we come up with a list of do's and don'ts, and somehow we think that means somebody's a Christian. If you follow that list, you're good to go with God. Yet that is compromised as well. Because now we're putting something external as a means to define a level of holiness. Now, of course, works and fruits, I know the Bible says about that. What I'm talking about is things like, okay, men only can only dress in slacks. Women only dress in dresses and they have to come below the knee and they can only have long hair. You know, you guys out there who've either been in the fundamentalist Baptist or or, or the extreme Pentecostals, you've ever experienced any of that, you know what I'm talking about here. Right? This, this is legalism. You can't listen to that type of music. Can't do this. Can't do that. So in areas where the Bible allows freedom to choose, right, people end up putting a millstone on people's necks about these things, right? And now all of a sudden people live in fear. Oh, if I don't do that, I'm outside of God, compromised already, or compromised to such a degree we can get filled with such pride. Look at the way I dress. Don't you know I read the King James Version only Bible? Hmm? Thou shall too, you know. I only listen to hymns. We only sing hymns, and mm, that makes us such a godly people. We're more godly than thou art. You know that um, the lyrics from that a Weird Al song, Amish Paradise, comes to mind when I say that. Anyway, and uh, we we do that. Yet that's our, that's compromise right there. What comes back to is humility. What comes back to is humility. So another area of, of I think we can do better on in the area of compromise. I say we. Is let me put it this way: if what you do will cause a brother or sister to stumble, don't do it. At the very least, don't do it around them. Don't speak about it around them. At the very least, and we know Paul writes about this. He writes about. Not causing another brother to stumble. What, what would that look like in an everyday life? We'll say your view is it's okay to drink alcohol. That's your viewpoint. You could be a leader. You could be a pastor. It could be your pastor's viewpoint. Okay. Now, is it right for the person who has that viewpoint to share that, especially if you're a leader in Christ? No, it's not. I'll tell you why it's not. Because you might have a brother and sister who has come out of alcohol addiction, right? Now you talk about that you love a beer every night, you love this drink then, whatever it may be. See, now that brother and sister who came out of alcohol addiction thinks to themselves, well, maybe maybe I can drink again and I'll be okay. And you just cause that person to stumble. Who knows what it could be? It could be many different things. 
the point being is, if we don't have the attitude of humility, you know, I, for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ, you know, I am not going to be a stumbling block for my for my brothers and sisters in Christ. But you see, we have a ter terribly, horrifically individualistic mindset for the most part in America. Now you got to think back to the ancient Near East, right, which is the context where the Bible was written in, the ancient Near East. Now, why would I go back? Because in the ancient Near East, it was a very, in, in the ancient world at that time anyways, was a tribal society with a tribal mindset. Right? It also had the mindset of family. Yes, it was a patriarchal society. Praise God. I wish we could get back to that, to be honest. The point being is, is family. Family, right? The father led the family in all ways unity it wasn't i'm going to go over here and do my thing that would have that that, well, that would have not been the mindset back then that why do you think jesus what he said was so radical right when he talks about leaving your father and mother for him because it was not a thought that would cross somebody's mind but here in america we're like i could do it my own way don't you tell me what to do don't judge me. Don't cast the first stone, you know, all those things that are thrown out there. Yet the Bible makes it clear that the church, the ecclesia, the body that is supposed to come together in unity, we act like it's, it's a light thing. We can't do this walk alone. No man is an island. If you already have the mindset, you're, you're compromised. Already, already, already. And I talked about that last time about what the Bible says about being handed over to Satan. Don't do it. I urge you today, if you're a Christian, you're not part of a local church body. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to become a part of a local church body. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if, if you have to move 200 miles or more. Do whatever it takes. We need one another. All of us, it's we got to stop treating this walk with Jesus so lightly, you know. And earlier, earlier, I brought up the point of um, Christian music, quote unquote, quote unquote, Christian music. Now, why would I say something radical? Compromise, right? And I hear these songs, and I think to myself, not all bad, not all songs are bad. Let me just put that out there. But but I hear these songs, and I think, my God, my God, why do they treat you so lightly? Just today, I heard a song, right? Just today, that God only has love in his heart. That, that's what the main lyrics, or whatever you call it, was. The chorus, I guess, if you will. God only has love in his heart. Really? You sure about that? You see how unbiblical that is and how that causes us to live in compromise? We're already a wrong viewpoint of God. We'll, we'll, we're already compromised. God doesn't have only love in his heart. No. God is holy. Above all else, God is holy. It says that, that there are things that God hates. Did you know that? Go read it in Proverbs chapter 6. 
talks about things that God actually hates. So you're going to tell me God has only love in his heart? God is angry with the wicked all day long, the Bible tells us. Yeah. Tells us many things about the attributes of God in the Bible. All right? The very first time the Lord revealed himself to anybody was to Moses. And in the book of Exodus, this happens. And the Lord reveals what many call the 13 attributes of God to Moses. Go read them for yourself. Guaranteed it's not love, love, love. I know that, I know. we like to take that one scripture to say God is love, and we somehow make that the whole of God. And it's not the whole of God. The whole of God is God is holy, plain and simple. Because God is holy, there are things he hates. Because God is holy. But we hear this music, and, and we're, we just want our ears tickled. Let me tell you what. Just because something makes you feel good about yourself doesn't make it true. The problem today in modern Christianity in America especially is that we have a lot of stuff, but it lacks substance. It lacks truth. Think about it this way. If somebody, if you were hungry, you say, man, I'm really hungry right now. I'm feeling peckish, you know, and somebody gives you a bag of chips, right? They taste good. Right, most people can say, "Man, I love a good bag of chips." You know, you could pick your preferred flavor on it. Now, if that was the only thing you ate, right, guaranteed, you would become sick. And if you didn't stop, you would die. Why? Because it lacks substance. The chips taste good; they make us feel good, but they lack the the substance that a full meal would give us. They lack the nutrition of, of vegetables, of meat, and so on. But that's what we love to feed on today. Why do you think these songs and these artists are so popular? Because people feed on them. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. And I'm trying to think of another song I heard just the other day by King and Country. Horrible song. No, no biblical foundation to it whatsoever. And, and, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But we got to get back to substance. I mean, Paul talks about going from milk to meat. Right? The author of Hebrews rebukes them because they went back to milk. They were eating meat and they went back to milk. That'd be like you or me going back to baby milk. Formula. What would that do for us? Nothing. We're, we're going back to we're, we're going back to being a baby. No, we're called to mature. If we, we we don't take this lightly, we're already or if we don't take it seriously, if we don't take it seriously, we're already compromised already, already, already. God has His holy standards. Perry, the end. Every believer is supposed to abide by these standards at all times. And if we don't, or I should say when we don't, then we come and repent to him. And we fall on our knees before him, asking this holy God to cleanse us and make us righteous. That's 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 the very real deal. And another thing that the Bible says, and I believe this will really truly help us not to be compromised, is what James says. James writes to conf says to confess confess 
our sins one to another. Notice, notice in that statement that it doesn't say everyday lay Christian, only Dickens, not pastors, right? Not apostles, whatever. No, it's for every person. Now, now let me let me give you some say, sound advice, though. The people whom you choose to confess your sins to, make sure that they're the type of people that don't gossip, for one. Right? Make sure these are people who are extremely, extremely close to you. And make sure it it's a member or members of the same sex. Men confess it to men. Women confess them to women. Now, I'm not going to compromise on what I just said. Don't care. I mean, I've been seeing viewers pop on and off. Whatever. Don't matter to me. I'm not going to compromise. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. The Bible says these things. And I'm trying to give you practical, sound advice. You know, I pray that you have a pastor that you can confess your sins to men. Females, women, you should have a, a woman or women in your local congregations you can confess your sins to. Don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the trap and open that door wide open for the enemy to come in because you're confessing your sins to a person of the opposite sex. Don't do it. We all need people in our life. All right? I praise God and I thank God for the few people in my life that I can do that with. I praise God for it because I need it. I praise God for, 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 for those men who are willing to speak truth into my life. Not based on whether I like it or not, whether it makes me feel good or not, because I'm telling you, there's times it has it's had the opposite effect of making me feel good. But I thank God for it at the end of the day. Please. If your circle of friends only involves those who add a boy all the time, great job, you're awesome, you know, you come to them with this, and maybe, how about this? It's probably a situation people run into all the time, right? You come before a person, man, you know what? I've been having this problem with so-and-so, right? And the only thing you ever hear from them is how bad that other person is for doing that or saying that. You got the wrong group of friends. You need to find a new group of friends, Right? You need that friend that's going to say, well, brother, well, sister, well, what did you do? Did, 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 did you say something you shouldn't have said? Did you react in a way you shouldn't have reacted? Things like that. Ask, they should, real friends will ask the hard questions. Real friends, and, and the book of Proverbs goes deep into all of this. I urge you to study the book of Proverbs. To, because we need truth. We can't see our own faults. People who will speak truth. People who will pray for us. People who are willing to have dialogue with us on the heavy topics. We need people like that in our life. Everybody does, right? I think another thing is, is when we, uh, an area of compromise, is when we equate busyness, when we equate busyness with being busy for God. One thing Matt Chandler said, was that about the pace that he ran at? All right, right, all right, already, right then and there, compromise. Right then and there. See, the Bible doesn't call us to run at a 
fatiguing, tiring, exhausting pace. That's not what the Bible calls us to do at all. The Bible, in fact, calls us to take a Sabbath rest. Now, whatever day that is that you can take it on, you know, by all means, you know, it may not be Sunday, it may not be Saturday, whatever. I don't care what day it is. But the Bible commands everybody, right? We're not called to, to run in a blistering pace. The Bible doesn't call that. Busyness, let me tell you, busyness does not equal kingdom business. Did you hear that? Busyness does not equal kingdom business. Pastors, if you don't take a Sabbath break every week, you're all, you're, you're, you're already compromised. If you haven't let your congregation know, hey, this is my Sabbath day. Do not blow up my phone. Do not contact me for anything outside of a life-threatening emergency. Okay. That's how the Bible calls us to be. Hey, we're supposed to rest in the Lord. How are we supposed to rest in the Lord when conferences and shows and classes and traveling and whatever else? I mean, thank God I don't have all that full of a plate. Thank God because I could. I say, thank God, because I need to spend time with my family. And that's another thing. Just because you may have a congregation doesn't mean you shouldn't be spending time with your family. In fact, you should be spending more time with your family than your congregation, to be honest. Well, it's not possible. Oh, no, it is. We need to get our focus onto what's important. Because the Bible doesn't say seek after conferences, seek after midweek services, seek after whatever. None of those things are bad. But when that becomes our focus, then it becomes bad. No, perfectly summed up. You want to know how to stay away from compromise? Perfectly summed up, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added unto you. In other words, have your priorities straight. Seek the most important thing in life. Seek God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And I guarantee when you focus on that, you won't regret it. You may have to cut some things out of your life. You may have to cut some people out of your life. You may have to adjust your schedule. It may call for minimal life change. It may call for radical life change. But I guarantee you won't regret it. I guarantee I've been doing my best, albeit not perfectly all the time, but I've been doing my best to follow a Matthew 633 lifestyle. And I have yet to regret it. I, I do not regret it. I have zero regrets about it, right? Like that uh, Snickers commercial, no regrets. Right? I got no regrets. Never. So what would that look like? Well, does God want me to be doing that? Let me tell you, just because somebody else does it doesn't mean we should be doing it. Just because that is an area of focus for somebody doesn't mean it's our area of focus. God calls each and every single one of us to certain areas. And your area of focus is different than my area of focus. It's different than that pastor's area of focus. It's different than that prophet's area of focus. And on and on and on and on it goes. Exactly, Richard. Balance, balance, balance. What is it that God wants you to do? If you don't know that exactly, when in doubt, do nothing. 
When in doubt, do nothing. I got to give credit to my wife for that one. She tells me all the time, I'll be like, hey, honey, should I be doing this? I'm not so sure about it. I should be like, well, when in doubt. You know what? That's never failed me either. I never, I've never regretted doing that. Ever. It's okay to wait on the Lord. It's okay to, to, to sit and wait and to see what your assignment for God is. It's okay. In fact, let me, let me, let me, I, I want to just strip off some condemnation from people right now. Stick with me here. I want to strip off condemnation. Whatever God calls you to do is the greatest thing in life. If God called you to be um, the vacuum cleaner at your church, that is a greater calling than the president of the United States of America because God called you to do it. Right? If God calls, and I heard this one from, I heard this um, thing from uh, A.W. Tozer about this, so I'm going to give credit where credit is due, is, um, you know, if God called the president of the United States to scrub toilets, then the president of the United States would be doing something greater than being president of the United States because God called him. And A.W. Tozer said that. And I fully agree with the statement. Don't, don't, don't try to compare yourself to another person. You're not that other person, right? And oftentimes we can get, we all met it, right? We look at somebody else who's doing it. And I want that. Yet we don't realize the struggles they went through, the many, many, many years it took to get there. Don't do that because you will open up yourself to compromise when you start making comparisons. It's dangerous. Don't do it. I want, I want to be like that person. Well, now because... Now you do that. Now you're going to compromise what the message you preach or teach, right? Why? Because I'm going to. You're going to base off of what do people like? Because your only concern is building a platform. That's not your concern. That's not my concern. That should be nobody's concern is building a platform. What should be our concern is building the kingdom of God, and we do that by seeking the kingdom of God first. Amen. Anyway, so I pray that all of these points helped you. Don't forget to click that thumbs up and like button. Don't forget to subscribe, all right? Don't forget to head on over to um, the website, davidcmcguire.org. Um, and so thank you all who watched or if you listen to this by audio podcast. I appreciate every single one of you. And I pray that this really helped. Much love, much respect for you out there, Matt Chandler, if you ever get the chance to hear this episode. All right, with that, um, I'm going to be out for now. God bless.